At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. You know him. You love him. He is Zach. Zach, we're kicking off another fresh week of covering the Broncos, but we're that much closer to the draft. It's just right around the corner. And we have a mini camp this week, Chad. We have some Broncos practices slated to kick off this week on Tuesday. So uh, Vic Fangio getting to work, uh, Joe Flacco getting to work. I mean, there's going to be Broncos football in Dove Valley. So we'll have a lot to talk about as the week goes on. Yeah, we were kind of robbed by uh, the, the weather gods last last week because the Broncos, of course, they were at Dove Valley and they were doing their thing, meeting and working out and all that. But they were supposed to make a few players available to the media for us to scrutinize and get, you know, kind of get, put our finger on the pulse of what's going on at Dove Valley, like Derek Wolf and Royce Freeman two days earlier. But that massive snowstorm, inclement weather, they canceled the media portion of that. So hopefully the, they'll find a way to make up for it this coming week. But you're right. That always adds a little extra flavor. It feels like football is back and it's something we can look forward to this week. Yeah, and and one continuing storyline is Chris Harris Jr.'s absence, and he will not report to that minicamp, and I'm sure it will create more headlines, and I'm sure the players that are made available to the media chat will talk about Chris Harris Jr., but it's nothing is too out of the ordinary. He knew, and the Broncos knew he was going to stay away, Uh, but it will be good to see uh, the the team back in in working order. I want to see how Vic Fangio coaches the team, even if it's indoors, even if it's a practice. I just want to see the Broncos, the 2019 outfit, come together it's exciting for me you know honestly before we move on we need to hear from Vic Fangio I think this week because he oddly I think it's kind of odd I don't know maybe it's just me I'm trying to think back to previous off seasons but for OTAs to begin and having gone through 
was last week the second week, right? Yeah, because they reported yeah. right at the top of April. So yes, last week was the, the second week, and we still haven't heard from Fangio. So hopefully we get a chance to hear from him because there's a few things that have come up in these player opportunities at the podium that we need some clarification on. For example, just one off the top of my head, is Cortland Sutton your number one wide receiver going into 2019? Yeah. And is is Philip Lindsay your number one running back going into 2019? Mm, I mean, yep. all these roster battles. I mean, who's the starting tight end? Who are in the secondary? You're right. We haven't heard from Vangio since the coaches breakfast, I believe, last month. It's high time with the draft coming up. He answers some questions. So hopefully um, he's made available this week. We have a great show planned for you today. We're going to go through a few storylines that have popped up the last couple of days and analyze them. But one thing, a couple matters of business we got to get to. And one thing is regarding the reviews and ratings on iTunes, you guys have been doing a phenomenal job of that. We're inching closer to that 200 number, that goal that Zach and I have in place before the draft. But the work you guys are doing to support the show and putting in those reviews on iTunes, they're paying off. Because just in March alone, or excuse me, in April alone, you know, we're two weeks in, but two weeks into this month, we're already 15% over where we were this time last month. So in other words, if the podcast continues to grow at an exponential rate of 15% every month, I mean, it's going to be massive. And one of the things that makes a huge difference in that equation are these reviews and ratings on iTunes. So there's another call to action just to remind you, if you haven't taken time to do that and you listen to the show on iTunes, it's really easy to do. Find the podcast, scroll down to the bottom, leave a review, one or two sentences, and a five-star rating, move on, finish out your day, whatever's on your docket, stuff to do. But that'll help out the show. You have no idea how much that helps the Huddle Up podcast. So if you haven't done that, take some time. And also, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, Really easy to do as well. Open up the app, find it on the browser, find at HuddleUpPod, click the follow button. You want to talk about keeping your finger on the pulse of things. That's how you do it with the Huddle Up Podcast. And it's also your opportunity. Not everyone listening to the show is a VIP subscriber, but that's also your opportunity where to, to get in on the kind of flash calls we do for Twitter mailbags. We don't do them very often, but when we do, that's your opportunity to get your questions in for the show if you follow. Otherwise, you'll have no idea when we put those call outs on Twitter. So it's easy to do. Find at HuddleUpPod on Twitter. Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach. So I wrote an article over the weekend kind of spitballing the situation for the Broncos at pick 10. And we've kind of talked about, we've kind of flogged this horse to death really over the last few months, but what the Broncos should do with the number 10 pick. Obviously, we think the best thing that's in the best interest of the Broncos long-term would be for Denver to take one of the top three quarterbacks, assuming one of them's there at pick 10. But the general feeling that we've come away with since the combine, let's just say, or, or actually since Joe Flacco was introduced at Dove Valley after the trade, once free agency opened and he was made available to the media and we got to hear from Elway and we got to hear from Fangio, 
really since that time, the general feeling has been that, from us anyway, the Broncos are not going to take a quarterback at pick 10. And now there's always a chance, like Vic Fangio talked about, that it's all smokescreen, all the verbiage, what they're doing. They're trying to throw off all the teams behind them. And they're trying to, you know, it's all mind games. It could very well be. But I wrote an article over the weekend, Zach, that basically, as I was going through this, I kind of flushed out this idea that Elway's kind of developed a pattern, if you will, of a quarterback pattern post-Super Bowl 50. Now, obviously, after the Broncos won it all and Peyton Manning hung up his cleats, Brock Osweiler was hitting unrestricted free agency, and John Elway did what he could. He tried to stop Osweiler from hitting the open market, but there were some issues there. And as we all know, he was unsuccessful, and Osweiler defected and went to Houston, and he eventually came back. But the next move wasn't Paxton Lynch. The next move was actually trading or acquiring uh, Mark Sanchez, right, from the Mm. Philadelphia Eagles. Then a first-round pick on a quarterback, right? And then the next big quarterback change or move was signing one on the open market. And then now it's as if the cycle has repeated because next starting quarterback has been acquired via trade in Joe Flacco. So if we look at the pattern that goes post-Super Bowl 50, Elway's trying to find the guy. First thing he did was acquire Mark Sanchez. Next thing he did was take one in the first round. Next thing he did was free agency route with Case Keenum, and now he's back to trade. It stands to reason, doesn't necessarily mean it's true, Zach, but it stands to reason that the Broncos are in position or due to use a first-round pick on a quarterback. Doesn't mean it's gospel, but what are your thoughts on that trope? I I mean, I've been thinking that since last year when they pretty much ignored quarterback in the draft, that Elway has to eventually find that successor. And it was cemented for me when Chad Kelly was and Pax Lynch were both released. They had no one young on the roster with respect to Kevin Hogan. So, yeah, anyone who believes right now that Elway will for sure pass on Drew Locke or Haskins or maybe Kyler Murray if if by some miracle he falls, it's short-sighted. It's ludicrous. He's not going to just blindly um, go into the season with just Joe Flacco. If a quarterback he likes is there, if Drew Locke made a great impression on him or Dwayne Haskins in in his Elway jersey, if he made a good impression, he will think long and hard about taking him number 10. Patterns or no patterns, he has to think about the best interest of the long-term sustainability of the team. And right now, they don't have that for the long term. They have 34-year-old Joe Flacco. So I still, if you held a gun to my head, Chad, I don't think he's going to have the pick of the litter. And I don't think ultimately he will take a QB. I think he will in the later rounds. But to think he'll just automatically pass on them is ridiculous to me. Yeah, agreed. And the thing is, you know, I... I've made it pretty clear on the podcast that I'm probably a little bit more high on the Joe Flacco move than the average person, and I'm certainly higher on it than you, Zach. But that doesn't mean that I I think the Broncos should ignore the opportunity that they have this year. And, you know, you think a 10 overall pick on a quarterback, you think that's expensive. Well, if the Broncos, and you say, ah, kick the can down the road another year, 2020 class is even better. Well, Elway doesn't plan on being in the top 10 next year. In fact, if the Broncos are picking in the top 10 next year, after the Vic Fangio hire and the Joe Flacco trade and whatever happens in this That's draft. not very good, yeah. I mean, John Elway, there's no guarantee he still has a job if the Broncos are picking in the top 10 again next year. So you got to strike while the iron's hot. And let's just say they do kick the can down the road and they finish this coming season at, you know, 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and 10-6 even, maybe even make the playoffs. But let's just say hedging against what's likely and say they're, they're somewhere around 8-8, eight and eight, okay? Now, all of a sudden, in 2020, you have guys like Justin Herbert hitting the hitting the uh, draft. Tua, you got Fromm. 
all of a sudden there's these really compelling and interesting and intriguing quarterbacks at the top of the draft, and now the Broncos are sitting at picks 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. Okay, now to get into the top 10, and this is a phenomenal uh, analytics piece that Thomas Hall did a couple weeks back, but he has shown over the last nine drafts, if you want a franchise quarterback, the analytics say it comes in the top 10. The exception is the Russell Wilsons in round three, the Dak Prescotts in round four, whatever. I think it was round four he was picked. But those are the exceptions that prove the rule. The vast majority of quarterbacks who go on to be franchise guys are procured from their respective teams via the top ten of the draft. So if the Broncos are are sitting in the middle to early or late, middle to let's just say round or pick 15 to 22, somewhere in there in the 2020 draft, and they want to get into the top ten, now suddenly it's going to be a lot more expensive than just a first-round pick. You're giving up a second-rounder, a third-rounder. You might be asked to give up your first-round pick next year. So it becomes exponentially more expensive to wait, Zach. Yeah, or even a player, a star player. So I agree with you. It's a great point. And you know that's why I firmly believe last year was the, the draft to get a quarterback. You, you sat in the top five. You had four good ones coming out, and then you knew 2019 was going to be weak even without Herbert or even with Herbert, and he's not in it this year. I just don't think he can gamble, Chad. I just don't think the Broncos will be bad enough, like you said, to get a bad pick. I mean, on coaching alone, they should be 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, and they're only going to be picking in the, in the 15, 17, 18 range. And then what do you do? Like you said, do you mortgage the future then, or do you do it now when you have the chance? You don't have to give up anything, and you have a Drew Locke or a Haskins fall into your lap. And what the the Cardinals have done, they're kind of um, setting a new precedent by selecting a quarterback in the first round and then getting rid of them the next year. So there's no, you know, sure thing that if the Broncos take a lock, he w- would be on the roster next year if they liked a from, if they liked the Tua better, if they made that move. They can always maneuver, but you have to strike, you have to swing while you can until you find that guy. You can't pass uh, because you don't like a certain guy. You like a guy in later draft. To me, it's just ludicrous thinking. And the other trope that I step on on this particular article we're talking about, and it's titled, what did I title that? It's titled, Elway's QB Pattern Post-Super Bowl 50 Could Preview the Broncos' Plan at Pick 10. The other trope that I wanted to kind of bust was that Robinson uh, report from last week that said the Broncos are loath to spend a top 10 pick on a quarterback because they don't want to pressure Flacco with a first-rounder, basically nipping at his heels. And... I call hogwash on that. We've talked about it, I know, before on the podcast. But the idea that you want you don't want to unduly pressure Flacco is, is just it's ludicrous. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Last year, Joe Flacco was faced with the threat of a first round quarterback. Now, granted, that was a late round quarter or late first round quarterback in Lamar Jackson because the Ravens traded back into the first round to grab him. But a first rounder, nevertheless, Flacco was on pace statistically in those nine starts. I'm telling you guys, go look at the stats. And you can even look at the team stats in terms of how good the Ravens were in the red zone. I mean, Broncos fans, you should remember how dominant the the Ravens were last year in the red zone. And Flacco was the trigger man there, okay? And, And he was having himself a great year. Why? Out of three seasons since he'd been in the playoffs, three seasons since he had produced a statistical season of note, and suddenly he's lighting it up. And you say, well, Chad, if he was lighting it up, why did he lose his job? Injury. He got hurt, cost him one game. And that opportunity, when Lamar Jackson entered, he was able to light a fire. And the Ravens were able to do things offensively. Obviously, they couldn't with Flacco because of the athleticism and skill set of Lamar Jackson. And obviously, the plan was, Zach, for Lamar Jackson to become the future franchise quarterback. So it's not like 
the writing wasn't on the wall uh, when they when the pick was made. Everyone knew that, but Flacco was doing his best to hold that off as long as he could. And were it, I submit, Zach, that if it weren't for the injury bug grabbing him in uh, week nine, he probably there's a good chance he's still in Baltimore right now with the Ravens going, you know, we're going to let him compete in training camp and barring, you know, if, if Flacco is vanquished, we'll put him on the trade block and try and move him before the season. One thing I always wanted to say on, on a pod about Flacco that I never really get to say is watching him against the Broncos last year, I was actually pretty impressed. I actually came away thinking he was playing pretty well in that game. So just a random aside, but after a few days, it, it's pretty clear to me that Robinson Peace was he either had bad information or it was a smokescreen. That came right after the Broncos had a two-day visit with Drew Locke and then had a good visit with Dwayne Haskins. So maybe it led them, maybe they wanted the, you know, the Broncos wanted other teams to believe they don't want a quarterback. Maybe that was an intentional um, deviation. Right. I just don't think they can purposely ignore quarterback because they don't want to ruffle the, the feathers of a guy they just brought in who is, no matter what Elway says, not the decade-long, long-term answer for the franchise. Yeah. We're inching ever closer to getting our answer as far as what the Broncos are going to do at pick 10 next week as we kick off the final week of you know the, the podcast leading up to the draft, we'll kind of set aside one of those episodes early next week for detailing exactly what Zach and I expect to see happen in the first and second round at least. Or let's say that the three premium rounds, rounds one through three, what we really expect to see happen. But I think right now – the Broncos and Broncos fans in general, you really need to be open at this point to anything's possible because Elway's done a good job to kind of, you know, uh, hide his intentions this time around with smoke screens and different talking points publicly. He's got his coach even using the word smoke screen. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. And there's actually another very interesting topic that we're going to get to on today's show, two of them actually. But before we do, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 103122. Deck. So, another interesting topic. Now, this might be a little early in the in the season, or you know, the off season, preseason, whatever you want to call it, to to dive into this particular topic. But I think it's interesting for at least a conversation on the podcast, and that is looking at some of the dark horses from the practice squad that were on, or at least spent time on the practice squad last year, who are poised to possibly make the Broncos' fifty three man roster in twenty nineteen. Now, I wrote a piece on this last week. And I singled out five different players, and I want to run through each one. I want to see what you think of these, whether or not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm up in the night or if you think that I'm onto something here. And the first two are pretty obvious, so let's just hammer through these real quick. The first one who spent time now, 
you know, he was activated the final three games. This is Jeff Holland, the outside linebacker. He was activated the final three games of the season, played really well in week 15 against the, the Browns, got a hit on Baker Mayfield, created some pressures, got himself a few tackles, played really well. Jeff Holland, I think, obviously, at this point, he's the only depth, really, besides Aaron Wallace that the Broncos have behind Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. Right now, he's more probably more than a dark horse. We'll see what they do in the draft, but he's probably more uh, than a dark horse to make the 53 at this point. And then the other guy off the cuff who's, who's probably just this side of being guaranteed a roster spot is the player formerly known as A.J. Johnson, now, of course, being known as Alexander Johnson, the former Tennessee volunteer, Zach, who uh, had himself some legal troubles, was, I wouldn't quite say exonerated, but had his charges dropped, and the Broncos added him to the roster very late in the summer last year. He uh, was pretty much withheld or held out of most of the preseason action, They were basically because they wanted to sneak him onto the practice squad, and they were able to do that, and then they eventually called A.J. Uh, Johnson, Alexander Johnson, up to the active roster late, late, late in the season, when other teams started sniffing around looking to scalp him. But what do you think on those two players as far as being better than average odds this time around of making the actual 53 instead of the practice squad? I, I don't want to jinx Jeff, Jeff Holland because I picked Marcus Walker as my breakout player last year, but I firmly believe the, the dark horse, the Shelby Harris of 2017 of this year will be Jeff Holland. He's guaranteed a roster spot. Right now, he is the main backup behind Miller and Shubbs. So he'll get his opportunity. Vic Fangio cut his teeth coaching outside linebackers. You could not ask for a better situation for Jeff Holland right now. I think the Broncos will add another linebacker in the draft, but he is going to make the 53. Johnson, that's it, a little dicier to me. I, th- I think he will make it, but that's not a sure thing. Uh, they'll draft an inside linebacker, too. They ha- they could move Stuart Cravens to inside linebacker permanently, depending on what Fangio and Donald want to do there. I-, I like him. He was good on specials, Chad, but he didn't really show him much on defense. I think he has a good chance, but to me, Holland is a cinch. He's in. I'm really interested to see Johnson on defense because we didn't really get to see that in the preseason. Like I said, the Broncos really tried to shield him from the scrutiny of the NFL and really felt like they they came out ahead by being able to recruit him in the first place to come to Denver. But he's six foot two, two hundred and forty five pounds, and as a downhill thumper, I mean he's he's a seek and destroy type of guy, but he doesn't exactly have that sideline to sideline speed that Fangio tends to put a premium on. And he's not, at least in college, we'll see how he's transitioned and how he's developed it, you know, as a pro, but he's not best suited to turning around and flipping his hips and covering tight ends and receivers on over the middle, uh, running backs coming out of the backfield. So that's the biggest thing with Johnson. And he's not only going to face, as you said, competition from the draft, this class coming up, but you got Keyshawn Bieria and Joe Jones looking to, to fight for a, mm. a roster spot. Yeah, and you, you just said it. The Broncos have two run-stuffing inside linebackers already in Jewel and Todd Davis. What they're lacking is that pass-covering linebacker who they might draft in Devin White or Devin Bush. So they don't really need three of the same guys. I, I do like Johnson. He has some value, but he's not a lock for a roster spot with a new coaching staff in place. Next guy I put on this list, again, these are five dark horses from the practice squad last year who I see having a good shot at the 53 this year. The next guy is Austin Schlotman, formerly of TCU. Now, this was a guy, of course, went undrafted last year. He was uh, competing, basically, with, with Sam Jones a little bit for that last offensive line roster spot. And Jones, he got injured 
I think it was a back injury he was kind of struggling with. He only appeared in two preseason games because of it. And that actually benefited Schlotman because he was able to get a lot more looks from the Broncos as that third center behind Paradis. And then McGovern was the second team center. And then instead of it being Sam Jones as the third team, it was Schlotman. And that gave the Broncos a lot, a, a much longer look, let's say, at Schlotman. And even though he didn't make the 53, he did make the roster. And some of the buzz talking to people and what I've heard the Broncos view on him, at least the previous coaching staff and the front office anyway, was that they were very impressed by his how he took to coaching, how quickly he kind of developed from being a little bit in the rough coming out of TCU, took to the NFL coaching, and then converted it to his play on the field. There was a reason they kept him. And this year, Zach, the Broncos, I mean, if you look at the roster, obviously depth on the offensive line is the biggest issue, and interior depth. I mean, they lost Max Garcia, Billy Turner, and Matt Paradis. So there's going to be an opportunity for Schlotman this year. This is where Mike Munchak makes his hay. This is why they brought him in, and this is where he can turn, um, you know, chicken, you know what, to chicken salad. And that's where I think he'll do it with Schlotman. I like this choice. I like this pick. I think he'll have a chance, especially with McGovern. That's another change up there, moving to center more than likely, or you know, staying at guard. They need some interior help. They need that backup swing type. He's perfect to have with Sam Jones. They're kind of like the same ilk to me. So I do think he'll have a chance to make the roster, and I would be interested to see where his final position would be. Because if it's center, I mean, you're one snap away from starting. Mm-hmm. Whereas a guard, you know, you're backing up two players. So I want to see Mike Munchak's evaluation of Schlotman and to see where his future may be. Yeah, it will be interesting to see what the current regime, how they view Austin Schlotman. But, you know, he's kind of an obscure player coming out of TCU. But uh, he found a way to stick with the Broncos at least for one year. We'll see if he be able, he'll be able to duplicate that and in- improve on that in uh, year two. Next guy here is the Danish-born offensive tackle, Andreas Knapp. Now, this is a guy, you know, he's six foot eight, so he's the same height as Jared Velder, 325 pounds. He was raw. He uh, needed some time to develop, and it was actually boding well for him last summer. He was competing with, of course, they ended up going with Billy Turner as the swing guy, but Knapp was competing with Cyrus Quanjo for the swing tackle role, and he was doing well, and then he suffered an injury, and it completely just put the kibosh on his trajectory. But the Broncos stashed him. They've held on to him. And, Zach, he's coming back this year. And we know the Broncos do not have a swing tackle. Obviously, they're going to probably find one here, at least one that they project to be that guy in the draft. But this is another position similar to Schlotman where the opportunity is ripe. And I could see this guy really capitalizing on it because he's he's got all the athleticism and size in the world. It's just a matter of – has he closed the distance from that raw form that he was in, being a European-born player, You know, played a little in college here, of course, and then comes to the NFL and the coaches have gotten their hands on him? Has he closed enough of that gap to warrant an actual 53-man roster spot where if the team, you know, Juwan James goes down, Garrett Bowles goes down, is he ready to step up and take on NFL edge rushers? He, he definitely has a size. I mean, he's 6'8", 325. He's, he's, a, he's a monster. So uh, a guy that Mike Munchak will definitely like working with, a guy that I'm not too familiar with watching last year in preseason. I don't necessarily love his chances. I think the Broncos will draft a lineman in the, in, in the draft, obviously, and they'll have him as the backup. You know, Juwan James, he has injury history issues, and Garrett Bowles has technique issues. You never know. That's another one snap away. You could be a new starter. I just... 
I don't think Knapp has what it takes to rise from being on the offseason roster on the outside looking in to making the 53. So um, he's a good story. I hope he does make a, an impression. I just don't see him uh, sticking around. The last guy here I put in the piece is Trey Marshall. Now, it's kind of weird because you think, oh, the Broncos have this logjam of talent at the safety position, right? There's all these guys. Well, not very many of them are proven, Zach. There's a lot of talent there, but it's all unproven guys. It's all unproven quantities. If I mean, you got Justin Simmons, really, is the only proven, proven safety on the team. Will Parks is close, but let's just say those two guys project as the starters. And then you go down the depth chart to Sua Cravens. We'll see, as you said, if he ends up being moved to linebacker. Then you go to DeMonte Thomas. Jamal Carter is going to be back this year competing. And then Trey Marshall. So that's six, he's six guys deep on the depth chart. And so you might think, why is he on this list? Well, the thing to remember about Trey Marshall, he was a highly coveted, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the research right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he was a five-star high school recruit. Florida State thought they won the lottery getting him there. But due to some injuries, I've checked into this, what held him back. Due to some injuries and just not the best of luck, he wasn't able to really cash in on that potential as as a seminal. And so he went undrafted last year. But this dude is supremely talented. And I could see him coming out of the blue, kind of like a DeMonte Thomas did last year, as a dark horse and vanquishing guys like Jamal Carter and really putting, uh, you know, putting some pressure on Sua Cravens and maybe even DeMonte Thomas. I liked what I saw from Marshall last year in the preseason. Right now, though, as it stands, the depth chart is already stacked. There's already too many safeties as it is, and I think they're going to add another one in the draft, so it's going to be you know another person drawing the short end of the stick. I happen to like Marshall. I, Carter, to me, coming off a hamstring injury with the new coaching staff, he might be cut. I don't think he'll be long for Denver. It'll come down to Marshall versus DeMonte Thomas uh, for that last safety spot. I, I like to see the competition. I'm a bigger fan of DeMonte Thomas personally, uh, but Trey Marshall, if not the 53 chat, should be on the practice squad this year. And let's not forget that injury Jamal Carter suffered. He literally tore the hamstring off the bone. Like that's mm. it's. There's no guarantee he's going to return to the form and it's not like he was some proven player to, you know, he made the roster the year before strictly on his special teams acumen, right? He didn't see any, even though I liked him as that dimebacker in the preseason and right. in, in the 2017 preseason, he was, I mean, there's a reason he made the roster, but in terms of regular season games, he wasn't used by, when he was dressed, he was simply a gunner, right? And there's, there's use for that. But this time, the Broncos, they don't have T.J. Ward. They don't have Darian Stewart. This time, they're going to need playing time from this young core of safety. So opportunity, again, it's there. And I can see a guy like Trey Marshall making some hay. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. But uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Now, before we get out of here, let's talk about a couple of the kind of wild, bold uh, predictions and projections that have come from both ESPN and NFL.com regarding your Denver Broncos. And, Zach, I want to talk about the first one, which you reported on, regarding Joe Flacco in particular. Now, this comes from ESPN, who said that basically they project Joe Flacco 
to pass or surpass 4,000 yards this coming season, 20 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions in his first year as a Bronco. Now, obviously, you wrote about it. You put some analysis in that piece. But tell our listeners what you think of that particular projection. I think it, it sounds good on paper, and it bodes well for Denver, but the touchdowns to me were a little low to have 4,000 passing yards. And it could be putting lipstick on a pig. I just want to warn Broncos fans out there not to get too hype about it. How many times have we seen recent Broncos quarterbacks, Chad, pad their stats in garbage time? I mean, the same thing could happen for Joe Flacco. I think he'll he'll have a little higher touchdown-interception ratio, a little lower yards, and the Broncos will win more games. Yeah. I, I, I think it's good for him, though. I think it's good for the Broncos. They haven't had a 4,000-yard passer since 2014, I believe, with Peyton Manning. Yep. Flacco's only done it once in 2016, so it's fairly recent. There is the potential there, and in Scangarello's offense and that downfield element, um, it could happen for sure. I mean, we'll see if Scangarello really is the quarterback whisperer uh, that he is – being portrayed as. He obviously worked wonders with Nick Mullins. And even C.J. Beathard, I think, outkicked his coverage under Scangarello's tutelage. But it remains to be seen whether or not he can duplicate, replicate that success in Denver with Joe Flacco and whatever quarterbacks end up being on the roster in 2019. But I really don't think ESPN's too far off the mark here because last season, Joe Flacco was averaging 274 yards passing per game before he was injured and then lost his job to Jackson. Now, if you extrapolate that over a full 16-game schedule, that's 4,382 yards passing. He had 12 touchdowns in those nine starts. So let's just say a little under, let's just say 23 touchdowns is what he was about on pace for, right, in, in 2018 with about, call it, 11 or 12 interceptions. So it's right in that pocket and, you know, for a fan base that's used to Peyton Manning dropping, you know, 30-something touchdowns, had that one year with 55 touchdowns, you know, the idea of only 20 touchdowns, it sounds not like not a lot, but it depends on how you get them. It depends on what you're getting from your running game. And with if Philip Lindsay can bounce back and Royce Freeman can stay healthy and you put on top of that Zach Joe Flacco throwing 20 to, let's say, 24 touchdowns, that's an offense that, that might be able to, to surprise some people and make some hay in 2019. And what stood out to me about those projections is the Broncos didn't have 1,000-yard receiver. Everyone was in the same range. Cortland Sutton led the team with 783. These are projections, obviously. Right. And uh, Deshaun Hamilton topped in targets with 103 and receptions with 66. So it's going to be a spread-the-wealth offense. I mean, no one player is going to thrive. They're going to lean on the running game. They're going to lean on uh, the receivers and Joe Flacco's big arm. And it's all going to come together. Ultimately, Flacco will benefit statistically. Um, but like you said, if they have these numbers in place, they'll be a lot better than 6-10. and 10. All right, last thing, and then we're going to get out of here, was a, I won't call it a report, it was more of a, you know, kind of a creative analysis thing that comes for the podcast from NFL.com that is called Around the NFL. Now, one of the hosts there, Dan Hansis, well, let me set the stage. They were going through talking about each conference, AFC, the NFC, three sleeper teams that could come out of nowhere and surprise people in 2019. Now, the Around the NFL crew there. There's four guys that are on that podcast. The first two teams that they named were the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets, both of whom procured their long-term franchise caliber quarterbacks in the draft last season, as we all know, in Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, respectively. And then when it came time for that third one, it was Dan Hansis, the host of NFL's uh, dot coms around the NFL podcast, who put forth the Broncos. Now, let me just read to our to our listeners what Hansis actually said. He said, quote, 
I think the Denver Broncos are kind of being overlooked. John Elway has taken a lot of heat, deservedly so, for some of his moves the last couple of years, but you get Flacco in there. If he stays healthy, he's already shown that he's a guy that can take a team into the playoffs and through the playoffs. And the defense, while maybe not as mighty as it was a few years ago, there's still a lot of talent led by Vaughn Miller. The offseason trope articles that Vaughn is changing his body and he's going to have 37 sacks this year, probably not going to happen, but he could be the guy that can lead a defense. They could be a top 10, top 5 defense even if Flacco stays healthy that team could win 10 games, close quote, Zach. So I thought that was deserving of an article because I personally am of the opinion as well that this is a team that is a sleeper. I mean, this is a team that could come out of nowhere. I mean, if you split with the Chiefs and the Chargers and win both games against the Raiders, there's a chance you're competing for the division this year. Well, let's call the facts like they are. The Broncos were a lot better than 6-10 and last year. They'll be a lot better than 6-10 and this year. I just think, though, the same piece was being written last year with Case Keenum. Of course it comes down to the offense. Of course it comes down to the new quarterback. Of course the defense is going to be good. It all comes down to the offense, Chad. I believe Von Miller and Fangio and Bradley Chubb, they're going to have the Broncos in contention to win eight, maybe nine games in the wild card hunt. Maybe the division if things break right. But it's going to come down to Flacco, whether he meshes with the coordinator, whether he meshes with his weapons, whether everyone stays healthy, whether the offensive line gels. There's so many questions the Broncos have to answer, and that's where my skepticism lies in. I want to see it happen on the field before I I classify the Broncos as a dark horse team or a playoff team or a contender. I want to see it all come together. I have no questions, no worries, no concerns about the defense. But as always, it all comes down to the offense. Now, in response to Hansis putting forth the Broncos as the third sleeper to look out for, his uh, fellow co-host Mark Sessler said this, quote, The Broncos won. That's not too crazy. If you think of what teams could have quick turnarounds, it's because of coaches. Vic Fangio coaching up that defense. I trust that defense is going to be really good. And then Mike Munchak, the offensive line, may be fixing their biggest problem area. You might be onto something. Close quote. So just an interesting topic. The way, I mean, most of the tropes we've been hearing from the national perspective is still very skeptical of, of what Elway has built so far in 2019. So I thought it was interesting to see this podcast crew kind of put together the Broncos or put forth the Broncos as one of three possible sleepers. And really, Zach, speaking to your point, absolutely. Broncos need to prove it out on the grass. There's no getting around that. But at this time of the year, all we can do is try and project, right, and make our predictions based on what we're seeing. And you're not wrong. This time of year, last year, everyone was thinking, oh, you know, Case Keenum just led a team to the uh, NFC Championship game. And, you know, the Broncos have all these pieces, two former Pro Bowl wide receivers, veterans, you know, they made some changes on the offensive line, adding Jared Veldeer, Garrett Bowles is going into year two, et cetera, et cetera. Matt Paradis is healthy. There was all these tropes that looked favorable for the Broncos last year, but the coaching was incompetent. And even at this time last year, as bad as things were for the Broncos a year previous under, under Vance Joseph, it really came into focus in 2018 just how badly coached this team was. So if what Sessler said in response – This idea that if you think of what teams could have quick turnarounds, it's because of coaches. And with Vic Fangio being added, Skingarello, Ed Donatel, Mike Munchak, and then all the great coaches Fangio chose to keep, if anything, on top of the Flacco edition, that's what probably bodes the the most optimistically for the Broncos being a sleeper this year. I will say this, though. It's a great look for the Broncos organization coming off back-to-back playoffless seasons, losing seasons for the first time since 72 
to already have this identity and this newfound um, reputation as a potential sleeper. That's a credit to Elway for building the Broncos back up, and it's a credit for Vic Fangio coming in and undoing those culture dynamics that that plagued the Broncos under Vance Joseph. So I give the Broncos credit, and it's uh, it's it's encouraging that only a few months they're not looked at as a basement dweller, not looked at as a miserable team like the new Cleveland Browns. They're up and coming. They're on the rise, and it all comes down to coaching, as we always say. They'll get better this year, and it should reflect them in their win-loss record. I just want to see the offense. That's the only thing to me. I just want to see the offense put it all together. Absolutely. Fair enough. And there's still a major piece to the puzzle missing, and that's going to be the 2019 rookie class. So we'll have answers there here in less than two weeks. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. Also, don't forget to leave your creative reviews, rate the show on iTunes, absolutely crucial. We'll be back tomorrow with one more test round in the war room between Zach and I going through a mock draft. And then Wednesday, we're getting together with Eric Trickle, Nick Kendall, and Carl Dummler to record our official roundtable war room mock draft which will publish for your listening pleasure for thursday's huddle up podcast episode so stay tuned for that look forward to that in the meantime we'll talk to you tomorrow for zach kelberman i'm chad jensen talk to you soon you've been listening to the huddle up podcast join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going I'm Sulin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist wherever you get your podcasts.